Hey y'all, this is Jonathan Martin and welcome to the Zeitcast. This is a bit of a bonus episode. I don't want to take too much time up front. Just want to say the talk you're about to hear is based on an unexpected but very holy blessing that was offered to me. My sense is that there's a lot of us who are looking for a certain kind of blessing in our lives. We may not know how to articulate that as such, but if this lands anywhere in you like it did for me, you'll see what I mean. It just felt like a a beautiful, unexpected gift, a grace that I was given that I felt like I needed to pass along. So I hope this is helpful for you. The Road Away from God has been out for a few weeks. I'm getting ready to record the audiobook, so know that that's coming very soon. For right now, anything you can do in terms of reviewing the book, sharing it in any form on social media, all that's so helpful. So thank you for any of you who are able to do that. As always, I'm particularly grateful for those of you that are able to support the Zeitcast on Patreon. Never take it for granted that I'm able to walk this road with each of you. So thanks for letting me be on the journey with you. It's a wild time, and I know that. Heaviness, adventure, so many things that are going on. So I hope this blessing somehow kind of flows into you the way it did to me. Feels like, again, more kind of um, uh, just passing on a, a treasure from a friend and mentor of mine, Dr. Ricky Moore. But this came from a sweet time at the table in Oklahoma City. Once again, this is Jonathan Martin. You're listening to the Zeitcast. Wherever you are, I hope that you know, wherever you're listening right now, that all of you is welcome in this space. Let me just say a couple things by way of, by way of setup. Man, again, I'm so happy to see y'all here. I don't know, maybe it's, I've been traveling, which I haven't done in a long time, uh, but the last uh, few weeks, last two and a half weeks or so, really um, been on the road, which has been interesting. I've not done that in a long time, um, quite this way. And hopefully if I can say this in the least self-referential way possible, um, so the, the book is out, The Road Away From God, and I don't think it is self-referential in the sense that it really feels like this whole thing has been a product of the community here and the journey that we've been on together, that we've been walking. So it's been interesting to actually get to sort of test drive that content with different people in different spaces. And uh, I mean, shockingly, it is not, uh, so far as I can tell, turning into the purpose-driven life uh, just yet. Um, Oprah has not put it on her list yet. Um, not been on Super Soul Sunday, nothing like that. It has been really wonderful to hear so many people. It's like if they engage it, it seems to be landing. It's like really, really deep places. And and I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for the stories and the kind of questions that have been coming out, out of that experience. Interestingly enough, um, I, I feel like the response has been so good, I think if anybody doesn't know what to do with it, ironically, which I might not have projected, it's been more like deeply like faith people. <laughs> but uh, for people who've been anywhere on this kind of road that we've been on, um, done a couple of, of things just right here lately. Um, my good friend Brandy Miller did the podcast with her. Uh, I love her Reclaiming My Theology podcast, so we just put that out. And my friends uh, Jared McKenna and Drew Hart, like said, so just some beautiful conversations around the, the content. But where I really wanted to go tonight, I feel like I needed to go, because this is how I approach preaching, if you don't know this. I really do love the lectionary. I love following this. Um, it's interesting because I feel like things get way more interesting and 
spirit-led and dynamic to follow it than not. Um, counterintuitively, maybe for me in some ways at first. So when I saw that this was the Old Testament reading for tonight, I thought, it just felt like, okay, I have to talk about this because I have such a fresh, real-time story. It is connected to the book, but again, I'm not trying to like overly plug the book. It's just, you'll see. It's just very much connected to the things that are, that are happening. Um, and in fact, tell you what, why don't we just do this? Let's just go ahead and read. Why don't we actually read the Bible, shall we? We need a proper scripture reading here. I'm actually just doing that myself tonight. But 2 Kings chapter 2, beginning with verse 1, says, Now when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven by a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. But Elisha said, As the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. And we're going to skip then on... As the reading does, to verse 6. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. But he said, As the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. Fifty men of the company of prophets also went and stood at some distance from them, as they were both standing by the Jordan. Then Elijah took his mantle and rolled it up and struck the water. The water was parted to the one side and to the other until the two of them crossed on the ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me what I may do for you before I am taken from you. Elisha said, please let me inherit a double share of your spirit. He responded, you have asked a hard thing. Yet if you see me as I am being taken from you, it will be granted you. If not, it will not. As they continued walking and talking, a chariot of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them, and Elijah ascended in a whirlwind into heaven. Elisha kept watching and crying out, Father, Father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. But when he could no longer see him, he grasped his own clothes and tore them into pieces. He picked up the mantle, and I'll stop with this. He picked up the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back stood on the bank of the Jordan. Yeah, I'll stop there for now. Elijah and Elisha. Story I first learned in Sunday school. Um, it's a text that, and I try not to do a lot of inside baseball in this way because we in our community come from very different kinds of spaces. But growing up in this very Pentecostal, very charismatic kind of environment, the main way we heard this text was, I don't know, maybe the most literal way you could go with it, because in our world we would talk a lot about the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the anointing of the Holy Spirit in the sense of kind of this idea of this, um, the empowerment of the Spirit and walking in the Spirit. So I remember plenty of sermons and conversations where people would talk about wanting a double portion double portion of the anointing. And so sometimes that would involve somebody who would be identified as a bit of a prophet and you want the prophet to lay hands on you, hoping they will, that you might, they might be able to impart to you something of this double portion kind of anointing. Spoiler alert, that's not where tonight's going to say. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's kind of the, the context where I heard this story. But it came up for me 
really differently when I was working on the book because so I have this I have a chapter where uh, that's called it's good to be a fan and the whole premise of the chapter really is I want to talk about the people who have come alongside me that the best language that I have for it right now that I feel like maybe would be the most universal is these wise guys these people that come alongside that have um, helped illumine the way for me. I think last time that we got together, I have this little riff where, you know, sometimes I've, some of you heard me make fun of, I really dislike the Christian idea of apologetics, this idea of defending the faith, because it often turns into like, you know, kind of coercing people into the faith intellectually, which I don't believe is, really works. And actually, I don't find any of that stuff personally compelling. It, it just wouldn't convince me um, to begin with. But I will say this much, like in that chapter in particular, one of the things I felt like I ended up doing, um, I am really stacking the deck for Jesus, because while I'm not trying to coerce anybody, there are these people in my life that have embodied what I understand to be the presence of Jesus and the spirit of Jesus in such powerful ways. I do have this sense like, well, if you met them, you'd, you'd really want to be connected to this thing. <laughs> Whatever language of spirit you'd want to use there, like, you'd want to be connected to the thing. People like my friend, uh, the Reverend Dr. Otis Moss III, who pastors Trinity United Church of Christ in Chicago. His father, Otis Moss uh, Jr., was uh, kind of the forefront of the civil rights movement. Him and Martin Luther King Sr. pastored uh, a church together. But like this, um, what a liberating community. So I talk about OM3, as he's known, as my favorite preacher. Uh, talk a little bit how special that community at Trinity is, which has really, really shaped me. Um, I've been there a bunch of times now. I have banners all around the property, unapologetically black and unashamedly Christian, which I find so interesting because I feel like the language that you get about that from other places, like when people use language that's particular, is that this idea that it's like elite or exclusive or like one of us got to be black. It's, which I find so interesting because what I find Ironically, is that the people who are most connected to their own tradition and their own story actually have the most radical welcome. So, which has been my experience at Trinity, is that at this church that's very much a black church, that and and owning that in such a in such an open way that there's this deep sense of identity that creates kind of another level of hospitality. And I love that community so much. But then I talk about my uh, beloved sister Margaret Gaines. And I don't want to bore uh, any of you with the same stories, but people who've been around me know that this is the person I think of as my spiritual grandmother. She died a few years ago. Um, the same Pentecostal denomination I come from when she was 19 years old, goes on the mission field without the support of the denomination because it said it was too dangerous. Ends up in a little Palestinian village called Abud where I've been a number of times and Margaret, for me, in terms of just the person that she was, who she was in her community, the worlds that she brought together, um, the tender spirit of Jesus that I've witnessed inside of her. Not, not to be dramatic or melodramatic, the first time I met Margaret, which I've been late teens or maybe 20, uh, but I wept for like 30 minutes after, just from being in her presence. It was a powerful, very powerful, very tender tender person, and but fierce in her way too. And she was a peacemaker, um, just an extraordinary, extraordinary woman, never married. Um, 
So anyway, when she passed a couple years ago, I ended up being part of two funerals for her. There was one, uh, she had heart fire to her hometown of Pell City, Alabama. And so uh, I helped officiate the funeral both in Pell City, Alabama, and also the memorial service in Abood, in the village that she loved so much. And th th that's very, very sacred experiences for me. So we did the one in Pell City, Alabama, and I was there, my parents were there, parents also loved and revered Sister Gaines, and um, she'd been an important figure in our whole family. But then also a former professor of mine was there, Dr. Ricky Moore, who sometimes, honestly, I really just have to bring here because I feel like, uh, you know, I don't want these stories to feel like you had to be there. You really, you really have to be around Dr. Moore at some point. He, he just turned 65 and uh, still teaches theology he mostly, um, he was my Old Testament professor, and it's like he's so immersed in the prophets, he's so immersed in the reality of the Hebrew prophets, that he really has become a prophet. And <laughs> I feel like you'd have to be around him to know both how literally I mean that, and yet it's not like in this heavy-handed way, he's so like the most humble person, and there's a boyishness and a playfulness and a mischief about Dr. Ricky Moore that I just love. But he objectively does some weird things sometimes because he's just, he just operates kind of on another frequency. I mean, I, off the top of my head, one of my favorite things I ever saw Dr. Moore uh, do, my, I was working on my first master's degree and he did a chapel service in which he got up to speak. He was the speaker that day. And I can't even remember the exact, this exact verse, but there's a verse in the Minor Prophets where the prophet describes the reality of wordlessness. And he basically read that verse and then sat down. And that was it. He does stuff like that all the time. Like, just sort of, like, he's sort of, his life kind of, um, there are weirder stories that I love. I, I feel like if you hear them, it can kind of like, it sound like shtick or something. And it's sort of the opposite of that. I mean, he's very, um, very humble, very authentic, very sincere. There, were, there, there was a, a couple groups within our denomination that years ago had had a kind of a fraction and he felt like the Holy Spirit spoke to him at one point that he was supposed to write the names of both groups on an axe head. This is like a very Elijah, Elisha kind of stuff. And then like basically split the axe head in half and then bound, rebound them together. And he walked around with it everywhere for six months, everywhere they went, like an axe head. So it was very great. You'd have to know him to know just Actually, what a fantastic and sweet um, human being Dr. Moore really is. But he does have the mischief. He has the playfulness. And um, it, just a beautiful soul. So that day after Sister Gaines' funeral, stories within stories, thank you for coming into my little Sherlock mind palace here. After the funeral for Sister Gaines, me and my mom and dad and Dr. Ricky Moore went out to eat at Cracker Barrel, as you do, because it's Pell City, Alabama. And also... Church of God people are very likely to go and eat at the Cracker Barrel. <laughs> so we're sitting there, and I remember specifically that I was eating pancakes because that's one of the things that I do when I'm medicating in some way, and so this is pancakes are, are a thing that I turn to. And you know how it is, like, at the Cracker Barrel. I mean, it's kind of, it's not the most, it's not the best environment for anything. I mean, I think of it as kind of being, it's like, um, 
it's like someone, it's like a, a painting of a painting of a photograph of someone's memory of a barn. It's kind of the Cracker Barrel. It's like that, that sort of the level of um, this sort of faux nostalgia. And so I'm eating pancakes and I'm sure Toby Keith was singing a hymn in the background, something like that, because it was a Cracker Barrel. And Dr. Moore, who loves Elijah and Elijah, loves Elijah's stories. His PhD dissertation was on Elijah's stories. And he asked us a very Dr. Moore question. It's like we'd all, we all loved Mark, Sister Margaret Gaines and she's been this blooming, uh, again, also deeply humble, um, but the powerful presence in our lives. And so he went around the table and he asked each of us this question that has stuck with me. The question was, what part of Sister Margaret's mantle do you feel called to pick up? And the phrase that he used, as I remembered it, this is going somewhere, the phrase that he used was that when saints go up, mantles go down. And it was this Elijah, Elijah uh, and Elijah imagery. Elijah you know, gets caught up. Elisha takes on the mantle of the prophet, so something of his life is calling. There's this transference of whatever grace was on his life. So we all answered in our own way. I, I think I said something about Margaret's deep love for Palestinian people um, because she made me fall in love with her people and that part of the world, and it's still very dear to my heart, and that being you know, the thing I was called to, to pick up. Uh, Ricky Moore was sitting in between me and my parents. And so when we asked him the question last, his response was, I think it was so interesting. Because you know, my parents who I love so much and we have a wonderful relationship with like, you know, very different generations and uh, all of the things. And his response was, the part of her mental I feel called to pick up is to sit right here. Because he said, I feel like the, the love that each of you had for Margaret was something that's really bound this family together and bound you together through difference. It's been like, and I, I feel like I'm supposed to sit in this in-between space, in, in between, literally in between you and them. I feel like I'm being in this in-between space is how I'm supposed to pick up her mantle. Which was beautiful and very much something like him to say, just how that he thinks, uh, poetic and literary and spirit-led and wonderful. So all of that to tell you this, um, last Sunday was Father's Day and I was speaking in North Carolina, a church in Charlotte, some good friends I love, was doing a thing in Durham that night and I was getting ready to speak last Sunday morning and Ricky Moore just gave me a call, which, I mean, he's one of those people I consider kind of an, an elder in my life and, and the healthiest sense of that word, a spiritual father, all those things. But we don't just talk on the phone all the time. That's just not a thing that, that happens. So it was surprising that he called, missed the call. I called back in like 30 minutes, getting ready to go out the door. And he said, um, hey, Jonathan, I just, I just got like a minute. But I felt like I was supposed to tell you something. And that for me, and you know, he'd been, he had been reading the book and he mentioned how honored he was by the way that I tell the story and talk about him and uh, that it felt very generous and gracious. And of course he knows I love him and uh, that's all very heartfelt. So he said, I was sitting with 
with the way that you told that story. And I just, I wanted to, I felt like I needed to call and tell you, and he's kind of laughing and that sort of, you know, the boyish mischief that he has. He said, you know, you actually get a detail wrong in how you, in how you told the story. And immediately, I mean, I, I kind of freak out about this. I'm like, yes, I don't, don't like getting things wrong. And uh, when I'm telling something in print, but he said, um, you recount me saying at the table at the Cracker Barrel that when saints go up, that mantles go down. And he said, that's not exactly what I said. What I said was, when saints go up, mantles come down. And he said, when you think about kind of the way of the difference between those words, same general idea, but if mantles go down, then a mantle could go down from afar. That could come from a distance. But mantles don't really go down, they come down. You have to be close, which is what you get in Elijah and Elisha. Elisha is able to receive something of the mantle because he's, there's proximity, there's nearness, there's closeness that's there. So I was just thinking about the difference between those two words. Mouse, don't go down mouse. And I'm still, because this is, <laughs> this is so my experience of Dr. Moore, I was thinking, wow, that's awesome. And not exactly sure what to do with it. <laughs> like, sort of what the point was. <laughs> and then I feel like this is just the way that he has, you know. Uh, he comes back around and he says, I think the point is, I really feel like I'm supposed to tell you, you're closer than you think. Well, I got to run back into this prayer meeting. It's great talking to you. Happy Father's Day. Literally in the phone call. And man, that just hit me in such a, in such a profound way. You're closer than you think. And as it kind of famously is with anything I've ever heard him say about anything that was meaningful, um, there's so much ambiguity in that. You're closer than you think to what? Closer than you think to God, closer than you think to Jesus, closer than you think to home. Context of the story, closer than you think to Margaret. But I know how he thinks, and I knew that if I called back and asked that question, then what he would say to me is, yes. I said, well, you think that means more this, that he'd just say yes, because that's how he answers those kind of things. He's very Yoda-like in that way. So, I got to tell you, it it just kind of hit me, and and I'm done basically. Uh, it it just landed in some very very tender places in me, because one of the things that it made me realize is that while this is a great season of our lives, and there's all kinds of newness and new life, and all these things that are really exciting and wonderful, just how much I really feel. A little lonely out there, not in the sense of I mean, our community is making me feel lonely, but you know what I'm saying, like a little, a little vulnerable in this moment, a little exposed, and even though I've been on this journey for a minute and believe in the journey that I'm on, don't think I don't have the moments of like, well, yeah, I'm, I hope I'm right about these things, and I know that I'm a long way from where I come from. Love where I come from, but I'm a long way from it. I'm in different places than where I come from. And all of that involves a lot of disorientation. Um, 
one of the things I feel like I've found myself working out in the book is even this idea of like finding your sense of home and um, where is home now and the realization I think almost everybody has at some point in their life that you can't really go back nobody goes back so where is home now what does that look like and it was so beautiful to me that this little word was simply you're closer than you think I know uh, so many of us have had experiences with elders, authority figures, and some kind of a community that have not been wonderful. But I thought, this really is the best kind of gift from an elder, and where I do think we need those kind of figures in our lives. Not because, because I, you know I'm strong in this point, part of my sense of what it is to follow the Holy Spirit. You know, the reason that Jesus, I, I really believe this, the reason that the gospel is emphasized that they're always saying about Jesus, oh, he has a sense of authority. There's an authority about him that the scribes and Pharisees don't have. I think that authority is lived experience. Jesus walks in the lived experience of the power of the Spirit as opposed to theoretical knowledge. That's the difference. Everybody has access to lived experience. Everybody has access to that deepest inner knowing. So the idea is not that, because that would be weird, and I'm not trying to like, let me be your spiritual daddy, like, <laughs> which would be weird for so many reasons, wouldn't it? And like, nothing, nothing, nothing like that, or like you need me, or that you need any particular person. I don't think it's like that. I do think, though, what elders do for us is they're kind of midwives for us. They give us that sense of permission that we can receive, that we can kind of actualize in the moment until we come to that place where we realize that we get to choose and we get to stand with. And I think that's a really, really important place. So I found myself last Sunday morning going out to speak at this little church and doing the other things that I was doing, feeling so different just because of, just from hearing those words, that this elder figure in my life would offer that as a blessing. You're closer, I don't mean to be emotional, but that you're closer than you think. And it just made me want to, um, if there's any gift I could give in this little bit of time that we have here tonight, it would simply be to, to pass that particular blessing along to extend that closer than you think because I think the truth is it's a weird time for everybody and there are all kinds of reasons to feel disoriented and to feel the chaos and to feel the whatever but goodness the that word that breaks through that says you're closer than you think just because you feel restless or you don't feel at home doesn't mean that you're not where you're supposed to be. Doesn't mean that God's not with you. Doesn't mean that you're far off. Doesn't mean that you missed your turn. Doesn't mean that you're getting it wrong somehow. You're closer than you think. I still don't know exactly what that means. And yet, in a way, it kind of means everything to me right now. Because if I feel like I'm connected to source, if I feel like I'm connected to spirit, if I feel like I'm connected to home in some way, goodness, that's kind of that's all the fuel I, I need right now. So I'm simply 
delivering the mail from Dr. Morton's HCU. Closer than you think. Do with that what you will. But I think even the fact that the journey that you may be walking might involve displace, displacement and disorientation, all things go along with that, doesn't mean that you're not close to God, doesn't mean you're not close to home, doesn't mean that you're not connected in all the right ways. And that's one of the things I love about what figures like that are able to do in our lives and why I need them now is just those little, those moments of insight and clarity of just being able to see the journey that we've already been walking from a different point of view. So let's pray. God, um, I would simply want to extend this as a kind of blessing over my friends tonight. Knowing that, it, I don't know if it even feels a little weird when we're on different journeys and there are different interior journeys that we're on and external roads that we're walking to and maybe that feels weird as a one-size-fits-all kind of word and yet somehow I, I don't think that it does. It just feels good and right to be able to, to, to pass on that gift tonight. You are closer than you think. And I would just ask now, Holy Spirit, that you would just speak to us in the depths where maybe we're dealing with some of that disorientation, dislocation, where do we belong, how much longer are we headed in the right direction, all those kinds of things. And in fact, good friends, if I can, just, if I can speak to you for just a moment now, I just really invite you this last few seconds, just with our eyes closed, just to really allow yourself to kind of sit in that place that whatever feelings are even stirred up right now in terms of where home is or where you exist in relationship to it or to anybody else. And just let those words settle over you. Just to soak in just for a minute longer. Closer than you think. Closer than you think. All the things that you still haven't figured out, all the things that might still be unraveling. Yeah, can I can I just go into the thing for a second? If you give, if you give me grace for this, that really feels like the Holy Spirit. That God would really want to say in a specific way to some of you right now. You know. Going into the dark, going deeper and darker, going deeper into ambiguity, you're closer than you think. Because actually when you get to that, um, when you get inside that dark cloud, you're not further away, you're getting closer in. The fact that it, there's less answers and there's less things that are known in your rational mind and there's less stuff that's sorted does it actually mean that you're off course actually means you're you're right on track going deeper into the mystery going deeper into the mystery that requires trust not knowing that requires trust not certainty yeah, at some point along the way, maybe at different points it requires a kind of surrender. 
but not in the weird way that maybe that you've heard. It's more in throwing, taking your hands off the steering wheel and trusting the goodness of God and trusting the road that you're on, trusting, trusting the trajectory, trusting the arc, trusting that, that this is headed somewhere good. closer than you think. Amen. Deanna's going to lead us to the table. Another way we get closer.